We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Bob Doherty is the Intelligence and Counterintelligence Director at Counterterrorism Watch, Inc. They're a U.S. defense contracting firm specializing in intelligence, counterterrorism, and special operations training. He has worked for the past 25 years as an operations officer for the CIA. He has deep operational experience in the U.S., Europe, Central America, South America, and the Middle East. One of my very favorite guests to have on the show, Bob Doherty, rejoins us. Bob, good afternoon and welcome. Hi, Leslie. Good to talk to you again. Uh, so much is uh, coming out, obviously, since Sunday, and it will continue to. Um, uh, well, first of all, um, this was what people are calling a lone wolf terrorist. Now, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing, and tell me if these reports are true, ISIS numbers are less, smaller and smaller, finances less and less, and uh, they have not been able to retake or keep some of the territory that they have uh, kept and gained, at least uh, in Iraq. Um, if, in fact, that is true, is the only hope ISIS have of reaching through the Internet and radicalizing people in very short periods of time, it would seem, people like Omar Mateen, who's being called a lone wolf terrorist who pledged allegiance to ISIS. Yeah, this is, that's exactly correct, Leslie. This is a continuation of what the Islamic State has, has done for several years now and will continue to do, which is radicalizing and indoctrinating and motivating people online, either through direct contact or uh, completely indirectly <clears throat> through their various websites and blogs and propaganda that they put out. And unfortunately, this trend is going to continue where we see Americans who don't even have to travel overseas to fight necessarily for ISIS, who are going to become radicalized and indoctrinated just sitting at home in their own rooms. And Orlando, unfortunately, was just another tragic attack in the series of attacks that we're going to see and we're going to continue to see, unfortunately, we just yesterday had a police officer and his wife or his partner murdered in their home outside of Paris by an Islamic State-inspired uh, individual. So the threat is continuing counterintuitively as we press ISIS in Iraq and Syria and, and gain more of their territory and press them back. They're going to lash out even more internationally. So the threat is just going to get larger in terms of possible attacks like this in the homeland. Um, okay, uh, and I was going to ask you that, but you already answered it, Bob. Uh, so unfortunately, you think we're going to see more and more of these attacks. Why do you think we're going to see more and more? Um, let's talk about first the type of person that ISIS targets um, to radicalize, and then second, uh, the individuals or groups that they seek out to destroy. I've heard they want Muslims killed who don't follow ISIS or pledge their allegiance to ISIS. Uh, they have lists of celebrities, uh, leaders, and groups such as the LGBT community. Yes, absolutely. And it's really the radical ideology that is the key here. It's the glue that holds all these violent people together, and, and it dictates their actions. And it's so radical, as you point out, that not only are Jews and Christians and atheists apostates and subject to death, but so are Shia Muslims and other Sunni Muslims that don't believe in the very, very strict radical ideology that ISIS puts out there. So it is so radical that most everybody fits in the category of being subject to death. 
Speaking of that term, radical Islam, we heard Hillary Clinton use it. Barack Obama, our president, is um, uh, chastised by many right-wingers for not using it. Donald Trump uses it pretty much every other word or every other sentence. Bob, does it matter what we call it, whether it is a lone wolf terrorist, whether it is a mass murder? Uh, Some people are saying he may have been uh, a gay man who was conflicted uh, with his own sexuality, his own orientation. Um, the, the, The list goes on. Does it matter what we call it? Because if you if everybody stands up and say this is radical Islam, it doesn't prevent ISIS from radicalizing people. It doesn't make them say, oh, now that they've defined it, we're going to stop. I mean, mean, to me, and and I'm sorry if this sounds so simplistic, why are we, you know, why aren't we yelling and screaming and fighting about how to prevent it and stop it rather than what we entitle it? Well, yeah, we get silliness at this point. And and again, our thoughts and prayers go to the victims in our land. I wanted to say that because it is a serious issue. It is a radical Islamic ideology based on radical tenets. From my point of view, and a lot of people disagree with me, it's not about the religion at all. It's about people who take a religion as they take any other reason, political cause, economic cause, religious cause, and use it to justify violent extremist behavior. That's the way it's always been. And it's usually to achieve political power or hold on to political power. But it's never about the cause. It's never about religion. It's never about economy. It's never about politics other than holding on to political power. It's just an end to justify justify what you want to get and to justify your own violent behavior, which is just criminal, violent behavior. And it's not to say that the people that belong to ISIS don't believe and that they're true believers in this radical form of Islam. I think many of them are. But the point is, it's inspiring them to carry out these violent actions. It's an excuse for them to carry out these violent actions. We need to understand the totality of the problem so that we can address it with a broad spectrum of possible resolutions to this. Not one single solution is going to work. Uh, I agree. Uh, you know, and you would know better than I would, 100%. Um, are, is the rhetoric of someone like Donald Trump and the things he's saying dangerous? Look, I don't. You can't say we're going to exclude Muslims from coming in the country. Just as you can't say on the other side, well, we're going to limit firearms. Those are things that that would be great if those solutions would work, but they're not going to work. Okay, what we need to have is a deep understanding of what drives this, and what drives this particular problem is the massive fire hose of propaganda that's being shot at us by the Islamic State and other radical groups, that our young people are drinking up on the Internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And we have no way to stop that, to prevent that, to counter that message. So there's deeper socioeconomic factors that go, that go, that address this problem. Why are our young kids or why are young kids around the Western world susceptible to this sort of propaganda and are being you know, going to fight for the ISIS or being radicalized at home and carrying out terrorist attacks in this country. Those are the questions we need to be asking, and how can we stop that process, that radicalization process? We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our guest, Bob Doherty from Counterterrorism Watch. who is an operations officer for the CIA for 25 years. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. At CT Watch, Inc. is how you can follow them on Twitter. Go to their website, ctwatch.us, back after this. 
We are back. Our guest is Bob Doherty, Intelligence and Counterintelligence Director at Counterterrorism Watch, Inc. He has worked for the CIA as an operations officer for the past 25 years. Bob, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Now, some of the people listening are going to be, what do you mean the guns don't matter? And some people, of course, like you say, uh, what do you mean, uh, you know, religion doesn't matter, ban doesn't matter. So uh, let's talk about a few things. One, in this instance, um, and uh, I think we forget, if you say you're going to ban all Muslims, that's not the same. People like to refer to Iran and Jimmy Carter. Very different. They had hostages there. That was one nation uh, that we had a conflicted relationship with. Uh, most Muslim nations are now our ally um, and uh, allies. And in addition to that, almost every every nation in the world has somebody Muslim in it, even if it's a handful of people. Um, so you know, uh, like, you know, you're right. You're right uh, you know, even constitutional aside, and the liberties which we stand for, and the foundation of which our country and nation were built. Um, this not only would be impossible, but what would it do to the relationship with countries we need the help of, whether with their military, their money, um, and their fight against this enemy known as ISIS? Yeah, obviously it would be a negative influence on it, right? Like, for example, the Jordanians are an incredible ally of ours in the war on terrorism. They always have been. So it's just, you know, it's politics. It's political, uh, you know, uh, grandstanding in my view. Look, the much more effective things we should be talking about are, like, getting the private sector and private citizens more engaged in recognizing some of the behaviors and the attitudes or what we call the pre-incident indicators are for this radicalization process among Americans. Because nothing happens, nothing happens in a vacuum, Leslie. And, and even with the details coming about of this attack, there were indicators there with the family or friends who saw things. And the better educated the private sector is and the business people are, the more they're going to be able to recognize these things and call authorities before an attack. A great organization to do that with is the FBI's InfraGuard program. They're an alliance, a national-level organization. They ally with the private sector. You can take training classes through that. CT Watch gives training classes through that. You get information on what is going on out there in terms of these new freezing indicators. And the more all of us are aware in our communities and with each other and at work, the more we're able going to be able to spot these types of behaviors uh, that happen in these individuals and stop these attacks before they happen. Okay. Now, guns. Some people might say, we understand, you know, you can't ban all guns. But, you know, there's a poll today that shows a majority of Americans, even gun owners, even Republicans, agree with having a, a, a ban on this particular type of weaponry simply because of the amount, it can dam- amount of damage it can do, the amount of lives it can take, and individuals it can wound in the short span of time. And also because the manufacturer, not just the manufacturer, the designer of that very weapon, said it was never intended for civilian use. It was for the military. Yeah, look, our founding fathers, I mean, I'm a strict, hardcore supporter of the Second Amendment. You know, no private citizen should have a fully automatic assault rifle. That's for law enforcement and the military. But people are going to have guns, and they have the right to bear arms. What, we're, what we should do is make it hard for those assault-style weapons to be had by, by most people, because they truly don't deserve them. Yet, it doesn't matter if we put limits on, on guns like that. Criminals like this guy are still going to get them. He bought these legally. If he wasn't able to buy them legally, he would have purchased them. Yeah, so, somebody, somebody, yeah, and, and somebody had mentioned that. Um, let's talk about a few other things. 
Um, there, Donald Trump accused the Muslim community of being responsible, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, uh, because, quote, they didn't tell on him or whatever. Um, isn't it possible, as we saw in San Bernardino, for somebody just to get in an argument with one guy at work and they know where he stood on certain issues? The two guys have been working together for years and would always argue. Heck, I have a guy I argue with at Fox yesterday. We had this big argument over Trump. Um, and, um, you know, he and I are certainly not going to come in and harm anybody. Um, but uh, I say that because um, isn't this there this idea that, you know, they 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 hang out with the rest of the Muslim community. And go, hey, guess what I'm going to do on Sunday? I just find it very naive and ignorant to, you know, make such remarks. I think just like anybody else, if you see something, say something. But a lot of these people don't say except online with regard to ISIS what they're going to do, except in this case, perhaps to his wife. Yeah, actually, we're finding that there are a lot of things said between family and friends. The San Bernardino couple out here, for example, um, there were people in that community that kind of had an inkling. Now, I don't think anybody knew that, well, this person was going to go out and, and kill people. But I certainly think the moderate Islamic community in this country and elsewhere has not stood up as much as they should. And, and, and let me ask you, Bob, sorry to interrupt. Is it because yeah. I know that after September 11th, Muslims want to stay away from cops, <laughs> and and uh, it, that's what I've heard in the Muslim community out here in Southern California and in Orlando where some of my husband's family lives. Um, do you think that we build a bigger gap um, between the Muslim community and the rest of the United States who are non-Muslims um, by demonizing them in their religion and, and, and by hating them every time somebody who happens to pervert their religion uh, does something like we saw happen in Orlando Sunday. In other words, how how can you say we're going to ban all your relatives from coming to visit you, um, but hey, please come to us with information? Well, of course we do, and that that is exactly the Islamic State strategy. They want to sharpen those divisions between Muslim communities in the West and us. And look, well, you know, some of the most of the classes we do again through CP Watch and FBI InfraGuard talk about making those bridges with ethnic communities, all ethnic communities in our country and integrating them and being a part of them. Because the more you do that, the more they're willing to speak up if they see something and say something. But they need, they need to do a better job of that moderate Islamic community. And one of the reasons they don't is they just trust authorities and the police. So community policing is the way to go on this. That works. We've shown it to work for, for other crimes as well. Getting out and talking to people and establishing those relationships of trust and of confidence that's what works, and that's the kind of grassroots effort that we need is just getting people to understand that and then to go out and do it in practice because it's hard work. And, you know, people are busy and they have a lot of other priorities on their mind, and we understand that. But if we really want to stop this, we need to get out in those communities and do the community policing, do the intelligence work as it's allowed by regulation, and really establish relationships and tripwires in those communities that can warn us before the fact, hey, this person is radicalizing or this group of individuals is radicalizing. Then we can intervene without disturbing the whole ethnic community around it. And that's the right way to do things. It's been used successfully in the past, and that is one of the answers to this problem. But... One of the problems uh, with, you, not your idea, I think your idea is right on, but the problem with that is that idea can't happen if you have somebody who's running for president and could be elective president who wants to divide this nation, cut us off from the rest of the world, demonize and blame an entire segment and one of the fastest growing segments of our population as well. 
Yeah, but yeah, that, again, I, that's just silliness from my personal perspective. Each police chief in every city in this country can is under their own authority and can do what they think is right. So I don't really think the president, wherever they are, has an, has an effect on that. But that. Oh, but wait, 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 Bob, Bob, sorry, sorry to jump in. I hear you, but I think. I think a lot of people who may have felt, you know, I hate Muslims, it's all the Muslims' fault, deport Muslims, stop them from coming to this country, are now justified and validated uh, in their bigotry uh, by Donald Trump in his remarks. In other words, he's given them a green light, and I fear that green light isn't just what they feel, but then can be put into action against uh, this segment of our American population and worldwide population. Well, all I'll say in that is, again, that's part of the ISIS strategy. They want to sharpen those divisions between non-Muslims and Muslims in Western countries, and if, and if we feed into that, we're feeding right into their strategy. So would you? is it fair to say, then, if, in fact, the rhetoric continues from Trump, if he were to become president and we have the division and the things that he has threatened and, and talked about, we will have more, not less, attacks from ISIS, and we will help them to grow in numbers? I, I don't want to make that analytical jump. I would say to you that we're going to have more attacks like this because the radical ideology is out there and it's so pervasive and we don't have an effective strategy to deal with that. All right, let's take some calls. Uh, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Troy and Richmond, uh, give us a buzz back. I see you were up first listening on TuneIn. Call us back, Troy. We'll get to you. Let's go to Palm Springs on uh, listening on KPTR. Christian joins us on line two now. Hi, Christian. Good afternoon. Okay. Three things quickly here. First of all, a long-time listener, first-time call. Second thing is, I used to know that one out of ten was mentally ill. I find it's closer to two out of ten. Not that they're all carrying meat cleavers with blood on them, but these people make wrong errors. This may be a factor. I don't know. Second thing is, uh, Clyde Lewis last night in Ground Zero said, if we declare war on ISIS, we'll be declaring war on our own country. What he neglected to say or know, you're five times more likely to be wiped out by a, a conservative Christian fanatic than you are by a Muslim fanatic. Well, I, uh, before before you go, I would like to address at least uh, one of what you said. Um, Bob, could you weigh in on that? We had over 300 mass shootings in the United States last year. Um one was a terror. One, one of which was a terrorist attack at the hands of uh, two individuals who claimed to be Muslim in San Bernardino. Uh, we had a man, as you know, um, that uh, attacked, uh, you know, um, a recruiting uh, station. He, it was found he was mentally ill, although he was Muslim. But other than that, the rest, more than 300, were not uh, committed by uh, Muslims. Um, I think you and you has given me stats before. Um, are there other threats and even greater threats within the United States and outside the United States that are not linked to uh, radical Islamist ideology or uh, ISIS? Sure there are. If you look at the number of Americans that are actually killed in terrorist acts, however horrible each death is, it's a low number compared to, for example, there's about 100 people a day in this country. Unfortunately, they're killed in car accidents. That's 100 per day every day. So what these terrorists have done is... Well, that's not murder. Have, that's not murder, though. 30 people die at the hands of a gun every day in America. No, that's true. But what they've done is they've magnified the effect of the 
small a number of attacks that they actually carry out, way out of proportion to statistically what they represent. And therefore, they've achieved what they wanted to do, which is to terrorize people. We talk about it. We cover it on the news 24-7. I think they you know it's in the news cycle. No, I didn't cut you off. We, we, oh. we, we're going to let you make your third comment. We're, we're commenting on your second yeah. comment. And uh, the chance of someone being hit by a Muslim extremist and maybe even a Christian extremist is uh, you're more likely to slip in your bathtub and things like that. Um, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't uh, get ratings in the media, right? Uh, okay, go ahead and make your, you can make your last point as well. Okay, that's it, and I want to thank you very much. Oh, that's it. Okay, I thought you said you had three. Um, by the way, it is 90 people a day uh, to guns. Uh, Hillary Clinton said that, and PolitiFact said that is correct. So I was uh, given the number three times smaller. Um, let's, uh, if you want to continue uh, to uh, join us on the phone, we have a line available, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And like I said, Troy and Richmond uh, give us a uh, buzz back. Um, Bob, what? We heard that this guy was interviewed three times in two years by the FBI, was on a federal watch list, was taken off, not on any no-fly list. Back to the guns. Just your opinion. Um, would it help if somebody's on a federal watch list to remain on there and to not be able to get a gun? And also, can you speak to that? Because I think some people might be giving the FBI a very hard time, but they can't just arrest or apprehend someone if they don't have enough evidence to do so, correct? That, that's exactly correct. I mean, you know, the part about the radicalization process, Leslie, is it's usually a four-step process. Again, we go through it in our classes. InfraGuard people get a lot of this looking for the indicators. It's only at that last step of that four-part radicalization process that an American goes through that they potentially engage in activity that's illicit or criminal. All the way up to that point, it's First Amendment-protected activity, by and large. So. It's very hard for law enforcement, including the FBI, they're monitoring someone, they're surveilling someone, they're tracking someone. They see them going through this radicalization process, but most people don't ever take that final violent step. There's some that do. Obviously, this is a guy that did. But it's difficult to keep and monitor all those people 24-7 that are in our country that may be going through that process. So it's just a difficult, difficult job. It's not going to get easier anytime soon, other than... Uh, all of us becoming more educated on this and looking for it in our communities and preempting it before it reaches that stage. Um, okay, and then the last minute, um, uh, Bob. What now? Obviously, you don't, you know, have a crystal ball for the future, and you don't know the minds of all these people. Um, but going from that third stage to fourth, what would you say is the common denominator? Because you know, most of these people haven't, you know, don't have a history of. Uh, crime or violence in their background? Well, there's some key ones, and we're already seeing it with, with my team. One, they're looking at these radical ideology online. They're looking at the teachings of Anwar al-Awlaki. They're following this stuff on their social media. Um, so they're very, they're, they're kind of open about it. And the other big and, one... And, and let me, sorry, sorry to jump in and ask. There's no way without violating First Amendment and because the Internet is not regulated to prevent people from having access to something that's going to harm them, because it obviously harmed them. I mean, Bettine's dead as well. No, and there's it, no way to prevent that. And okay, we live in okay. a liberal democracy. Okay, so, so go the ahead. Okay, so, we, yeah. The second big thing we see is they withdraw from their family and friends, and they withdraw from the, the moderate community that they're a part of. That's another big indicator that we see. Okay. All right. Anything else? Changing, changing physical appearance, appearance, 
they may start going from Western clothing to more traditional Islamic Middle Eastern clothing, and, and men may shave their head, grow a long beard. I mean, these are all some of the PIIs that we've seen with Americans. And there's some pretty key ones. And again, I encourage people, you know, join FBI InfraGuard program in your area. Learn about this stuff. Learn about the pre-incident indicators because none of these things happen in a vacuum. And we're already seeing, seeing stuff about Orlando that shows us that several other people were at least aware that this guy was going down this radical vision pathway. All right, Bob. Thank you very much. Always love having you on. Bob Doherty, the Intelligence and Counterintelligence Director at Counterterrorism Watch, Inc. Uh, website, ctwatch.us. On Twitter, at ctwatchinc. I'm Leslie Marshall.